0: Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7.
1: Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka
0: Drawdown.
1: Welcome to Muskoka Drawdown. My name is Frank DeYoung. I'm here on behalf of Climate Action Muskoka. Humans need to shift away from fossil fuels to renewables. We need to electrify the economy. We need to make all buildings energy efficient. And we need to rewild ecosystems. There's lots of work to do, and we must all pitch in. Google Climate Action Muskoka and sign up to the fabulous weekly free newsletter. My guest today is Peter Love. Peter teaches at the Faculty of Environmental Studies at York University. He has held senior executive positions with government nonprofit advocacy advocacy organizations and has run several successful private green companies. He has been on fifteen corporate and nonprofit boards, and was the president and executive director of five of these boards. His current appointments include the Energy Efficiency Board of Alberta. Welcome, Peter.
0: Hey, great, Frank. Great to be with you and your listeners. I I
1: had to cut off your uh, bio short; it would have taken the entire time listing all the wonderful things you've done. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us very very briefly: How did you get into you you've 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 parlayed? green energy efficiency into an entire career it's so wonderful how did that uh, come well, about
0: and it started at university uh, a long time ago and um, your listeners can't see it but i'm pretty old um <laughs> and in 1969 uh i was a second year student at the university of toronto and um heard about a a group that was just forming called pollution probe so i was one of the first members of pollution probe um way back when and um, i was actually involved in their first um a stunt. Um, they had a burial of the Don River, and this is before the Ministry of the Environment existed. It's before people knew what the word environment was. And we had a burial for the Dawn, and I had an old '52 um, Woody Chev station wagon, and it was the hearse. And we had no idea what media was. We had no idea, you know, <laughs> someone said something. Like, anyway, we had national coverage: um, the papers and the, the TVs and radio. So it was a national um, national event, and it really got Pollution Probe up and going. And I then went on to work at Probe, and I was actually with the team that was dealing with garbage. And we were the ones that came up with the idea, the three R's, uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. So I've been at it for a long time, and um, my focus now is more on the energy climate uh, uh, issue, but uh, certainly in the past, I've been focusing on a wide range of environmental issues. Yeah, I think actually, uh, I'm not
1: of the very recent vintage myself, and I think I actually remember... Uh, the burial of the dawn deep back in that must have been the early 80s or late 70s when I first woke up to ecological concerns it rings a bell now but I haven't remembered
0: it Uh, it it was actually it was more than 50 years ago it was 69 we had the burial so 69 okay Okay.
1: I was still in high school but just uh, bear was that was my grade 13 I think anyway wow that's amazing um I googled uh, one of your your free textbook. It's called "The Fundamentals of Energy Efficiency," that you provide to everyone the, for free. And it's uh, it's it's it, it shifts the responsibility to government to put in energy efficient policies and programs. Now, this this is uh, the old conundrum: What do we do as individuals versus what can government do? And is government the main actor here, or is there lots for us to do?
0: there's lots for everybody to do. Uh, there is a role for government and some are better at it than others. And we all know that. And we have an important role as individuals to vote um, and to be aware of issues and to vote for leaders that we think um, correspond with our views of what we think needs to be done. But there is a lot that individuals can do other than vote. Um, it, it, there's, um, and I think it's important for your, your listeners to know that we currently in Canada, um about 82% of our greenhouse gas emissions come from the production and use of energy. So everybody knows about climate change. They they see it happening. Something to do with energy, something to do with carbon dioxide, but it's hard because you can't see it. 82% is energy. Yeah. And one of the biggest users uh, and producers of that carbon dioxide, that climate changing gas, is our transportation sector it's so inefficient. Uh, The internal combustion engine is about 20% efficient, 80% is wasted. So it is something, yes, governments have a role to do to provide, you know, to make sure there's infrastructure, to have charging stations, um, perhaps to provide incentives for cars, um, for people to buy it. Um, We obviously have seen recently incentives for manufacturers to locate here. Um, So there is a role for governments, but there's absolutely a role for individuals. People buy a car, um, every five or 10 years. And yeah. that's a very important decision. And and, and 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 we now, of course, people know there's electric vehicles. They may not have, uh, they've probably seen it on the road, but they probably haven't been in one before. Um, and so the, the, the show that we're organizing, and I'm actually with a group called uh, Muskoka Conservancy, and we're working with Climate Action Muskoka on this event. Wonderful. Uh, the Muskoka EV show. Saturday, June 27th, from 10 to 1 at the Bracebridge Fairgrounds. And people are going to have a chance to come out, see it, talk to a dealer. They're going to be able to talk to some people who owners because um, they're going to have their cars there. There's going to be some that are available for test drives. Uh, we've got three Teslas. We've got a Ford one uh, F-150. So for contractors out there, uh, this is the sort of thing you can use to charge your, charge your saw during – yeah, so it's a number of things coming. That
1: that's actually wonderful, and that's what I wanted to talk to you. I was just down in Point Pelee bird watching, and uh, uh, the national park. The Point Pelee National Park had eight uh, Tesla charging stations down there and they also had uh, an, an electric vehicle uh, that was charging up that belonged to the park I felt very embarrassed because I do not yet drive a, uh, an EV I'm um, I, I, that's the one question I want to ask you because if you own an ice vehicle now an internal combustion engine like myself um, it my it's a 2014 it's probably got at least five years left should I run it into the ground for the next five years, or should I get rid of it now and buy
0: an EV? That's a good question. Um, it'll be close. So, you know, um, I actually had a student do a project for me because I've asked those same questions. I asked her about refrigerators. Should you get rid of a 10-year-old refrigerator to buy a new one? Knowing that that refrigerator is made in China from steel that probably comes from coal um, that gets shipped across the Pacific to Vancouver, shipped on by train to Toronto, and you pick it up at Home Depot and bring it home, like what's the energy payback on that? It was surprisingly yeah. low. It was about two and a half years. So I think you know the EVs as well. Um, it was always going to be a secondary market for for internal combustion engines, and so I think you can sell your old one. But I think people are looking to um, to to um, to improve, and people are looking at new cars. There is a there is a premium. It's 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 almost like the I'm sure your listeners all know when. When the first LED light bulbs came out, they were expensive. Yes. The box said, you know, over the lifetime, you're going to save money. And, and maybe initially people didn't believe it, but it's true. You do save money. So the same with thing with EV, you're, you, it is a higher upfront cost, but you don't pay for gasoline. You're paying no for very little of it. And your internal combustion engine is really, you know, it is very inefficient, whereas it's very efficient.
1: I love that story about how many moving parts are in an, uh, an ice vehicle versus an EV. Yeah. Can you give us that one again? I don't know that number,
0: but we're going to have an expert at this show, uh, Steve Lapp, and he's going to be uh, able to tell you exactly how many moving parts there are. But I know there's many fewer.
1: <laughs> I know. Sometimes you hear it has eighty percent fewer yeah. uh, moving parts in, a, in, a, in an EV. I've, yeah. I've I've had several drives in them, and they're they're fabulous. They're a bit pricey right now, and and yeah. I'm agonizing uh, about what to do myself. I think. Everyone. I think everyone knows their next vehicle is going to be an electric vehicle, but they just don't know. But there's still a lot of cynical people out there, Peter. Um, yeah. so tell me, you know, EV batteries are, are made of lithium, cobalt, manganese, and there's comes from the Congo. It's a horror story in many cases where these uh, these components come from. What are, what's the uh, future hold in that department?
0: Well, uh, Canada is a, is a very resource-rich country. People may have heard of the Ring of Fire, um, which you know uh, is northern northern Ontario, and it may be developed. Um, and it has some of those materials. Um, there's lithium mines in in Quebec. Uh, cobalt is a difficult one. Uh, cobalt. Most of the cobalt right now is coming from the Congo. Although you know Ontario used to be a major producer of cobalt. Uh, some of your listeners, make, a, we actually have a, term called cobalt. a town called Cobalt it wasn't <laughs> because it was a nice word. It was because they mine cobalt up there, and it was yeah. one of the major cobalt uh, mines in the world. So we we do. Canada is resource rich, and I think there's an opportunity for us to to look at that. Yeah. So it, it's an issue. The technology is continuing to evolve, and and um, how people are making batteries is getting better, and the materials they use are are evolving. So I don't think it'd be fair to say we're going to be stuck with using cobalt um, thirty years from now. I my guess is that we're going to see alternatives come in that are more effective and and hopefully don't have the uh, well, the social implications of cobalt mining um yeah it certainly yeah. has the Congo
1: i I have a friend a, a green friend here in in Huntsville and he says he's not going to buy an EV until it has a sodium battery with yeah. uh, salt so what tell us about sodium batteries I know very little
0: yeah there there, there, there was an article in the paper about them uh, the Chinese were looking to develop them um the um, they're less expensive. Um, however, they don't store at this point, don't store as much energy. So if you want to, you could have a sodium battery, but it's not going to go the three or 400 kilometers that people are going to want an EV to go. But that doesn't, you know. But but this is early on. Um, people have been working with lithium batteries for years, so sodium is 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 similar. If you remember chemistry, it's it's not far from lithium on the periodic table, so it's got some similar properties. I was I was away that day, actually. <laughs> oh, you were there yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, anyway, um, so I think we're going to see we're going to see other technologies. And just coming back to technology, one one comment, and I think it's true. I heard, I've heard it from a number of sources now that. Elon Musk, when he decided to make the Tesla, um, he wasn't really focused on the environment. He is sort of now, but he's focused on a bunch of other things. He was focused on performance. He decided that he really wanted to have a really high performance car with a ton of torque that you could put the accelerator down and it's going to throw your head into the background. And he wanted to have an instrument panel that would blow people away. So that's, that's why he started with a $150,000 sports car. He wanted high performance and really, you know, uh, exceptional um, uh, screen in the, in, yeah. the, in the display and yeah. now of course he's jumped on the wagon and and, and we see different versions of it so the, the performance and this is why i encourage people to come out and actually sit in one because the performance um is exceptional it, it, it is like a sport it is like a racing car um and that's and that's not just the one hundred fifty thousand tesla that's any ev um has got that torque that you just can't get from an internal combustion engine.
1: Yeah, don't they go from zero to uh, to 100 kilometers an hour in like three seconds?
0: Oh, yeah. no, and Not that I encourage people to do that. But <laughs> people always do, but, Well, maybe some do, but I don't. But it's nice to know it's there, I guess. <laughs>
1: okay, Peter, we have to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk a lot. I want to talk more about the batteries in Windsor and uh, there's in St. Thomas. But hang on a couple of minutes, and we'll be right back.
0: Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7.
1: I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to uh, Muskoka Drawdown, everyone. My guest today is Peter Love. I'm so pleased to have Peter on my show. He's he's an icon in, in, in Ontario and across Canada. And he knows uh, the ins and outs of uh, electric vehicles and not to mention the entire greening uh, the economy and uh, and electrifying the, the grid. But we're here today primarily to talk about uh, electric vehicles uh, as an option for, for people. But I, we know everyone is thinking about that these days and it seems inevitable. But there's still a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, doubt about it. And uh, I mean, Peter, I. Uh, I'm of the generation that I grew up with internal combustion engine. And I'm sorry, but I love, I love pistons going up and down in my car. And, and like the, the internal combustion engine is basically the spiritual center of our society. You know, it's sort of supplant, supplanted Christianity almost. Um, and you're telling us we have to get rid of the, the ICE car. The, the, the internal combustion cars work so well these days. They're just fabulous. Now, why, why do we have to change?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of people uh, at the turn of the last century that thought horses were good. And they would never <laughs> want to see the a host. And uh, I was reading somewhere that uh, one of the huge environmental issues, <laughs> before they even knew the word, in New York City in the early 1900s was what to do with all the. Uh, the horse manure. yeah yeah it, yeah, it was a huge issue um mean, you know, people being you know moving around and goods being transported so um so I yes it, it's the it, internal combustion gasoline is an amazing product uh it, is, it, it is. um it it, uh, it, it it has a lot of a kick in it um it's not a surprise it took over um but it's got implications and and I think we all know that and and climate is something climate change is something we're aware of and it is something that people can have an impact on through their purchasing decision. And it's not the only thing, how you heat your house, um, um, what you do when you leave a room, what you do when you leave your computer. I mean, we, we, we all have gotten... Lazy, you know, I think in, in Canada because our energy prices are quite low and that's going to, that's beginning to change. We have a carbon price now that is going to begin to put a price on, um, yeah. things that are more polluting than others. So I think people are getting with the program. Um, but it is a transition. Um, and certainly one of the issues in a transition is the availability of charging stations. And you mentioned yeah. you saw some. Um, at our event in uh, Muskoka um, on, on May 27th, um, we're going to have an announcement from the district in Muskoka um, and and uh, Lakeland Power about the installation of new charging stations. So I'm sure people are going to begin to see them. Um, I think we're going to see retailers offer them, at, and we already have uh, as a, an inducement for people to come into Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and and spend a bit of time there. And charge their car while they're in the parking lot. We're gonna, yes. you know, that's one of the first ones. Then we'll see them in public places. So we are yes. going to see more of these charging stations. Yeah.
1: What What has happened? What's happening with the fuel cell? I thought we were all going to be driving fuel cell vehicles uh, by now.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and Canada was real the real leader there with a company called Ballard. Yeah, Ballard in, in British Columbia. Yeah, um, yeah one of the challenges with with fuel cells um, is that it, they run on they run on hydrogen and and is not naturally occurring. You got to make it from either electricity—you know, you, you know, put electricity in water to yes. produce hydrogen and oxygen—or from natural gas. But then you still have the carbon, um, and and it, you can't really put it easily into our natural gas lines. It's a different enough gas that it it, it would need its own distribution system. Yes. So it is it is more difficult. Where we're seeing hydrogen used now. <clears throat> And there's a really interesting test case a pilot going on. It's been going on for a few years between Calgary and Edmonton. And these are 18 wheelers and they go from one depot to another yeah. depot. Okay. So they don't have to stop for a gas station. And, you know, hydrogen is, is a, you know, in many ways a perfect fuel because it's, there's no carbon in it. it. It just burns and produces a bit of water uh, vapor. Um, so we're, I think we're going to see more of that. But yeah, that's, the idea of the fuel cell, it, it was, it was a, what is a, one of those technologies that, that has quite frankly, I think, been surpassed in terms of performance and price by the EV battery.
1: Okay, another question that, that people think about is um, if your jurisdiction produces electricity with coal, which many do, Ontario does not, of course, but oh. many still do even across Canada, is it is your EV really clean because it's getting. It's using. It requires dirty electricity. Is it still Absolutely, a good great, idea? Yeah.
0: Great point. And 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 it I mean Alberta's grid has gotten a bit cleaner. They've closed. They're closing their coal fired plants, and most yeah. of them are natural gas. So it's cleaner. So it probably makes sense in in Alberta. Saskatchewan still has a lot of coal, and if you're burning coal at thirty three percent, you're throwing a lot of carbon into the environment. Uh, and although there's nothing coming out the back of your car. When you plug it in, you know electricity is being generated from coal. So it's, it, it 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 would be marginal whether it would make sense to have a, at this point a um uh a, a an electric vehicle in Saskatchewan. Now the federal government, as people may have read, are looking to have our entire electricity grid in Canada um, non-proven by twenty thirty-five. Yes. Um, And uh, and we're already about eighty percent. You know, BC, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, Newfoundland are almost hundred percent. So I mean, we're way way, we're way better off nationally than we um, than other countries. The other thing that makes it important in Canada, we do not have a very good national grid. Um, We have some connections between the provinces, but it's not as if. and, And I get frustrated when people and certainly some even some. Policymakers talk about how great it is that Canada has 80% clean electricity. Well, that's not really applicable because we don't have those provincial interconnections. If it was, if we had a national grid, absolutely, then driving an EV in Saskatchewan would be fine because you're accessing that clean electricity from other provinces. Yeah. Um
1: I, this is a little change I mean, Some some uh, EVs now have two-way uh electrical movement so they can use their car to run their to charge up their chainsaw or their snowmobile or their, ho- their house if there's an electric if there's a power failure is that uh, standard now or getting becoming standard
0: um i, yeah, I mean it, it it's a little bit complicated you you'd have to be able to um what's called island your, your, your house. I mean, what you don't want to have happen (laughs) is have a blackout and then for you to charge up your house, right. The hydro worker, that's right. Your house is charged and he's fixing the wires outside and gets electrocuted. So we've got to make sure that we do it uh, properly that it gets island. So it's not something people should probably do in their own, um, Certainly, the, the you know the, you may have seen the ads for the Ford One Fifty. I mean, it's a, it's got a, it's a big truck. It's got a very big very big battery in it, and not only can it run your um, your electrical equipment during the day, um, it really could. If you island your your your, your house, it could uh, provide you power for your for your system. Um, I have a cottage in Muskoka. We're on an island. Um, like everybody else, we have occasional power outages, um, and and you know I've got a, a generator. I don't try to island the cottage, I will, you know, I will just connect the generator to the freezer, you know, to keep it going, the refrigerator, make sure my wife has coffee in the morning, um, charge my phone. So I will just run a few things off that generator, and so I think that might be something people could do. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I could do that with my vehicle, but um, we're on an island, so the vehicle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, theoretically, cars could be used to uh, for peak power needs in Ontario instead of using natural gas. Uh, it could be a two way use of their of cars um, that are we, not being we used to own.
0: work in the electricity sector. Um, and and one of the one of the dreams that people talk about, and it, it, it's you know it's it's a really nice idea. People use people in industry and businesses use electricity during the, during the day and not yeah. much at night. And yet we have electricity generated at night. So the idea would be that maybe you could charge up the cars at night <laughs> and, you know, because so, it is it, there and it's cheap and then people drive downtown or drive to their office. Plug in, and maybe the grid can say, "Look, we're really short right now, and we'll pay you exactly this. if I can take a little bit of your power. I'll leave you enough to get home, but I want to. Would you let me have enough power so the car becomes part of the electricity grid? So that I think we're going to see that it, it's not there yet. People are doing experiments, but but the the, the, uh, the idea of this balancing using uh, the electric uh, vehicle battery to balance the the system, I think, is really interesting." Yeah,
1: I, um, I sort of see electric vehicles as the way to go, but I still see the private automobile as an interim solution temporarily until we rebuild the built environment like the Netherlands so that nobody needs a car. Do you see us ever getting there where we can get away from this massive industrial process and the maintenance of roads and and to get to a, a, a society where we don't force 50% of the citizens to be dependent on the other 50% to drive them around?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone's been to Europe or Netherlands, I mean, it, it, they're very different countries. It's much more dense. Um, and, you know, Canada is a spread out country. Um, I think we're always going to have more mobility needs than they do in Netherlands. Um, um, my daughter lives in the UK. You can get almost anywhere in Europe by train. You know, really conveniently. They're on time. They're 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 electric. Um, I, I I certainly. There's a big role I think for better public transit, um, train service, bus service. Don't use your car for those really short trips. Um, it's really and whether it's electric or, or or internal combustion. And again, some of our suburbs are designed that you <laughs> they're two miles from everything, anything. So curse. you have to drive, and that's. That's going to take a while for us to overcome. And that's what the fun flaw that when those – so people are talking about desification now. Um, urban planners are talking about the walkable city, making sure mm-hmm. that everything is within a 15-minute walk. That's great, but we got a lot of communities that – We're not walkable. (laughs)
1: Indeed. Peter, it's been a great uh, privilege and pleasure to have you on the show. You are wildly articulate and informed. Uh, You're doing the work of the angels. I compliment (laughs) you endlessly. Thank you so much for coming on my show.
0: Well, thank you, Frank, for having me. And again, I hope to see some people at our EV show, Saturday, May 27th. (laughs) Thank you so much. I went to the country to escape the noise and lights And I laid there in the pine cones all night I woke in the morning and all the trees were gone I got this sinking feeling everything felt wrong There were strip malls and dollar stores and diesel